Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators, a podcast with marketing and business tips and strategy specifically for freelance translators and interpreters. I'm your host, Tess Witte, a longtime freelance translator with an education and professional background in marketing. Tune in to hear tips from my own experience or from other translators and industry experts. This episode is brought to you by CrossCheck, one of the first mandatory QA processes in the translation industry since 2005. Now you can prove how good of a translator you are and document it to your clients with a personalized seal. So CrossCheck points out all those embarrassing mistakes even professionals sometimes make like double words, mistyped or forgotten numbers, omitted glossary terms, you get it. If you translate with Trados, use the CrossCheck Trados Studio plugin, available for free in the Trados App Store, to your QA translation work in real time. For those of you not translating using Trados, when you are done with the project, you can upload the bilingual files at runcrosscheck.com and check for errors in an instant. To prove a project went through a rigid Q&A process, CrossCheck generates the CrossCheck seal, which is a link unique for each project and you can deliver it to your clients where they can confirm your effort. Go to runcrosscheck.com for more information. That's R-U-N C-R-O-S-S-C-H-E-C-K dot com. Simply register your email and try it out for free today. Hello and welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators. I am your host, Tess Whitty, and today we're going to talk about value-based pricing or how to communicate our value and charge what we're uh, the, for the value we provide. Um, there is a lot of um, discussions going on about a downward trend in pricing, especially after the pandemic. And, um, and uh, people think say that we have to lower our prices, but we don't, do not need to only focus on that. In fact, I think it's the opposite. It all depends on how valuable our clients perceive our services to be, uh, what the results we can provide. And that is what we need to understand in order to communicate that. So today I want to talk about how we can start charging for our services based on the value we provide or how to use value-based pricing. So I have interviewed a fellow translator and speaker who regularly presents on financial success for translators. She recently gave a presentation on value-based pricing and is here today to share her insights with us. Welcome back to the podcast, Moira Mani. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I hope you're well too. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. So. It's spelled differently, but your last name sounds like money. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's actually Monet because it's French. <laughs> Monet, okay. But yes. <laughs> but well, I do Monet is also, money. that's like uh, coins, isn't it, in French? 
Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I haven't actually thought about that. But yes. So but, no uh, no wonder you focus on financial success. <laughs> it seems to be my thing. One person actually asked me whether that's a stage name recently. I had to laugh. <laughs> yeah, I just think it was um it was your destiny. <laughs> So you have been on the podcast before, actually twice last Mm -hmm. year, but for those of, uh, for those who haven't heard my previous podcast, which I will link to in the show notes, Mm -hmm. uh, tell us briefly about yourself and your career in the translation industry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you said, my name is Moira Mani. I've been a German to English. Uh, No, sorry, I'm... (laughs) God, <laughs> it's late. I'm sorry. So I've been an English to German translator since 2007, so 14 years now. Um, but I do actually also work with a team of colleagues for German into English translators. Um, oh, okay. Translations, and I'm actually honestly used to presenting myself as a German to English translator. Um, and I've just recently started switching that. So yeah, yeah. Bear with me. I'm also isn't isn't that a cultural thing too? Isn't it so that in Germany it it is quite common to translate into English, even if English isn't your native language? Um, It is more common than in other countries. Um, I don't actually do that. So the the translations are always done by a native speaker, but I market myself as like uh, part of a translation team. Mm -hmm. And also... um, with my name and also my appearance, people usually think that I'm not German. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just been honestly easier to market myself that way. Um, okay. Yeah. And uh, you are also the creator and host of the Financial Success Summit, correct? Yes, I am. So uh, I started with the Marketing Success Summit for translators in 2019 and I've run actually free financial success summits last year, which was too much. So there'll be two this year. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we can put a link to these two and you can talk more about it later, perhaps. Yes. Um, awesome. But you were on my podcast in September last year mm-hmm. and you talked about productivity for freelancing parents. And yes. you were on previously to talk about pricing financial cash flow yes yeah cash flow Mm -hmm. yes so uh has there any been any new developments in your business since then so yeah i've i've now actually added uh coaching to my official list of services um because several translators approached me after the summits to ask how they could work with me and they were like, I can't find it on your page. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I've been coaching people for the past two years and I've now decided to also talk about it more so people actually know that I offer coaching for translators too. And what do you coach them in? So Finances? business development, yeah. Um, it's usually looking at um, their current situation and then their goals and taking them to where they want to go. And usually that involves uh, increasing rates, or recalculating rates, and then also um, all things marketing and business development. It's okay. really fun. Good. Yeah. I enjoy coaching too. Mm-hmm. Or actually, I call it consulting. 
from yeah the- it's a mix of both isn't it because i i sometimes I, it's not coaching like where do you think you what do you think you can mm-hmm. do but it's more like me telling them what i think they should do <laughs> yeah that's why i call it consulting <laughs> yeah so right. um okay uh but today we're gonna talk about uh value-based pricing Uh, actually Mm -hmm. let's talk about the general ways of setting prices first there are three different strategies to set our prices Uh, Mm -hmm. what are the three strategies so the first one is cost-based pricing uh, which is where you calculate your costs um, both personal and business related and then you set your prices in order to cover those costs Um, and i actually think that cost-based pricing is something that well we should all look at because I do think that our prices need to cover our costs regardless of the strategy that we yes exactly so that's kind of the starting point and then there's competition-based pricing where you look at what the competition is doing and then you set your rates accordingly and I honestly feel like this is what a lot of um as translators do and that's sort of for better or for worse i i feel like what you find online is not necessarily representative of the value that you can offer or the prices that you could charge and so um yeah i sort of have mixed feeling about that but it's always good to know what the competition is doing mm-hmm. and then um, value-based pricing <clears throat> um, is where you set your rates in relation to the value that your service represents to your client, which is what we're going to talk about now. <laughs> yeah. So my next, can you can you develop that a little bit? What is value-based pricing? Yeah, sure. So um, it's basically um, value-based pricing is a strategy where you determine your price based on the value that your client attaches to your service. So theoretically your pricing would vary with each client and each project even and you would have a sliding uh, a sliding scale that you apply um mm-hmm. but like personally i don't like to overcomplicate things so i have a set rate for agency clients and then a set rate for direct clients and and usually they only vary very little um and then i think the the most important thing that you need to remember about pricing is that the price your client pays you reflects your perceived value to them. And notice that I say perceived value because it's really all about the client's perception. And really that's true regardless of whether you apply cost-based pricing or even competition-based pricing. I think at the end of the day, it all comes back to the value uh, your client attaches to the service. And then they pay you depending on the value you uh, they think you'll bring to the table um, and your whole job then becomes increasing this perceived value um, but in order for them to perceive our value we need to know it ourselves right yes yeah of course <laughs> that's the uh, I think that's the most important shift that we can make is actually realizing that we do offer great value to our clients we're not a cog in the wheel Um, and actually if you feel like one and you don't like it then it might be time to change clients Um, 
Yeah. So how if, can we, how can we um, document or find out what our value is then so that we can know it ourselves, first of all, but then also share it with the clients? So I think we need to do this by having a conversation with them. Um, so that is probably more applicable to direct clients, mm -hmm. but it does work for agency clients too, because like I said, at the end of the day, they also um, pay based on the value they think you will provide to them. Um, and maybe just to clarify, I'm not just talking about monetary value. Like sometimes I have coaches who will tell me, um, uh, I don't know, I translate scientific documents that researchers from university want to publish and they won't earn money from those documents. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, that's true, but the translation still has value for them. Like it might increase their reputation. Uh, it could help them get promoted or help them otherwise in their career. And that has value to them. And so you have to determine what that value is with a conversation or by having a conversation with the client. And so um, before the conversation, you can ask yourself what um, your service helps your client to do. Mm -hmm. um, and usually the client needs to see whether you help them with their reputation. Mm -hmm. uh, either improving it or maybe even saving it if they're like in a crisis situation or something. Mm -hmm. um, will it give them more visibility? Will it open markets? Will it add revenue? Will it increase profitability, mm -hmm. save costs or save time, increase productivity? So I think these um, answers change depending on, uh, on your area of specialization. Um, but I think that's one thing you need to be clear on before you actually have the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and you can then start crafting questions that you want to ask your client <clears throat> because I think you, so you demonstrate your expertise and also your interest in the client by, um, by asking great questions in this initial conversation. And I think that's how you show uh, the perceived value that you bring to their business. So you can ask about your client's goals, um, the exact purpose of the translation, what that represents to the business, um, which is where you bear in mind what your service helps your client to do. And then you can also ask about the, pro the, the budget for the project. And your client will um, answer and they might give you figures. And that's how you shift the conversation from what does this translation cost to what kind of problem does this translation solve or what impact will it have on the business mm -hmm. or, or on the career if you're talking to, um, to an individual. And you and I have talked a lot about specialization before mm -hmm. too. And I think um, becoming specialized and being an expert in a certain area will increase our value in, 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 the, in the client's eyes. Um, and I do think that we can do, this is not just for direct clients. I think it's also, I have noticed it with, uh, translation agencies or companies too. Um, if I'm contacted by a new agency these days, 
they try to propose a rate to me and then I come back to them and say, listen, I have this much experience, I have two certifications and I have many happy clients that are paying me this and this. So so um, these, these are my rates and the value I provide is my expertise uh, and and quality stamps, etc. So I think we can have the same conversation with agencies too, in case somebody's listening and thinking that it's only for direct clients. <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> no, um, yes, I agree. I mean, of course, um, agencies need to see the value you provide too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I do, I agree, they pay more to a specialist um, rather than to uh, a generalist. That's, uh, that's very clear. Mm-hmm. I um, personally, I find it um, easier, let's say, to have a phone conversation with a direct client before I start working with them and to have this sort of conversation um, where I say, okay, if this helps your business, I don't know, Uh, get established on the German market and increase sales by 30%, which is what you would have found out by asking your questions before. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you agree that this document translation is then worth 10,000 euros? You know, um, that's not usually the sort of conversation I would have with an agency. No, of course not. Yeah, there that would just increase, or not just, but it would increase the the per word rate. um, Mm -hmm with an agency but but let's back up a little bit um Mm -hmm. because i think before the conversations we like i said we need to understand our own value and i think it's also a mindset shift that we need to have yeah definitely um so well first of all realizing that you do offer value and i think the other thing is um if you want different financial results you actually need to believe that that is possible, mm-hmm. uh, not just in general, but in this industry and possible for you. Um, because I think if you don't actually have this belief, then probably you won't you won't implement the actions required to achieve those results, and you'll um, you'll negotiate differently too because you're not so sure about what value you actually offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the, the biggest shift we can actually make. And I think the problem is that we're so used to our own current financial reality, like whatever that may look like. But mm-hmm. we, we tend to think that, first of all, it'll stay the same. And second of all, that the market won't uh, pay more. Like what we charge is all that the market will bear. And that's usually not true because... I mean, we know this, um, there's always someone who charges less and there's always someone who charges more for the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And usually it's not because this other person is better at what they do, but just because they have a different mindset. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing to do there is, first of all, to just become aware of the stories that we tell ourselves, like, um, I can't charge that or the client won't accept that or something like that. And I think that awareness is the first step to then eventually creating a, uh, a new and different financial reality for yourself. Exactly. I think that's so important. And um, what is it? Is it Einstein that said, 
uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. Yeah, true. And it's so true, isn't it? <laughs> and we still keep doing that. So <laughs> if we don't try to do things differently, we will we will be stuck doing the same thing or having yeah. the same price. So yeah, so true. Also, um, I do I do think honestly, mindset could be a session in and of itself because it's it's such a big topic. Um, but yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> I know it is. I, I wanted to say if you are unsure what the value you provide, uh, one thing is uh, I always say that people should ask for testimonials. If you have delivered a job and you have a happy client, ask for a testimonial because these are proof of happy clients and the value. And I have actually started, I have some specific questions I ask them or send them. And one of them is what value did my translation bring to your project or company or whatever? Ooh, I love that. You've standardized it uh, and asked that in your testimonial thing. Uh, okay, that's great. I will actually write that down. <laughs> I'll do that too. I love that. To, to actually start finding out what it is. So yeah. that would be one starting point. But then, of course, having the discussion with a potential client is the next step. Mm -hmm. um, okay, I don't know if we, how can we increase the per perceived value then? Um, so uh, I think, so we talked about positioning ourselves as an expert in mm -hmm. our field. So I think that would be, um, no, actually, that won't be the first one. I'll talk about a different one first. Sure. <laughs> I think the first point is actually increasing actual value in order to increase perceived value. Yes. And I think that's, I think that's probably one of the most overlooked areas because we always talk about, you know, the branding and mm -hmm. expertise. <gasps> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hallo. Hallo, Maisi. Ich bin noch nicht fertig. Okay, yeah. I was so into the thing I didn't notice. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. We we can we can edit. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Although the hello was cute. Mm -hmm. Um so the first the first thing is to actually increase or actual value. We were yes. talking about the actual value. That's the first step. Yeah. So I think this is actually one of the most overlooked areas where we can add value um, because we always like to talk about, you know, the branding and the expertise and all of that. But um, with existing clients, and this is actually honestly easy to do, we can increase um the, the actual value. So be clear on what actually, what is the value that you offer to your clients? And I receive a lot of um, applications from translators and usually they just talk about delivering on time, being accurate, and the fact that they're professional. And I always look at that and I think, but yeah, but those are the basics. I already expect mm -hmm. that. So mm -hmm. um, I want to know what do you offer beyond that? And so think about why the client should work with you and actually pay great money for it. So you could 
ask more questions. You could point out ambiguities or errors in the source text or like make other additional comments that are valuable um, from your specific area of specialization. And that's actually something that is honestly appreciated by both agency clients and direct clients. I, I like I'm thinking of one agency client in particular where I do a lot of um, proofreading. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they come back to me so much because I usually, um, yeah, add comments as well. Mm -hmm. and so, and sometimes I have the impression that the translator just like translated the text that was there without thinking about it from a logical perspective. And I, I get that if you, if you are paid a very low per word rate, then this is probably what you do. But I mm -hmm. think in order to actually achieve the higher word rate, you need to demonstrate that you are able to do more than that. So I like to question things that are unclear or things that I don't think make sense. Or like if a contract, for example, mentions a point 4.3 and there is no point 4.3 in the rest of the contract, that's something that I will definitely flag. And, mm -hmm. and um, I think that's how you demonstrate your expertise and possibly more importantly, that you actually care, um, mm -hmm. because I think that also increases value and then that's helpful when you go into pricing negotiations with existing clients you demonstrate how you've added value to your service and therefore to their business and um and then you can say my new price will be x from this day onwards and i think that makes the negotiation a lot um easier yeah that's a good point and and just putting ourselves into the reader's shoes yeah uh, and thinking of how it would be perceived in that language and culture and and stuff like that is also, also very yeah. important so yeah. i i have noticed that things that i point out a lot is i get i get a business or marketing text or ed, or educational text and it refers to to specific terms in american football for example mm -hmm. it's a home run or something like that and yeah. And I point out that we need to rewrite this. Uh, this doesn't work. And I've also ran, run into this that it's ta it's talking about um, how to be a more including uh, company culture. Mm -hmm. And but then it mentions uh, as examples. It mentions uh, this is an American company. It mentioned a lot of la Latin American people. And African American people, mm -hmm. and uh, yes, these are cultures, but these are not the first things to mention, or the 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 what would in Sweden be culturally relevant for them. Mm -hmm. It it could sure. be it could be um, uh, Syrian refugees or or stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, very true. I think that's an important point, um, especially for marketing. And I think that goes for the other fields, too. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know so much about the other fields. But yeah, I think you made a really important point. You need to see what fits into your culture. Um, but um, that was a bit off topic. I'm sorry. So that was the actual value. <laughs> yes. No, but I love it. I, I, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm just thinking. I recently uh, proofread like um, 
it was an employment uh, contract and it was all in the mail form. I don't know mm -hmm. whether you have this um, in Swedish too, this whole discussion about genders and things. Um, we have a gender in, neutral pronoun in Sweden. Oh, you do. Well, we do too, but we don't use that for people. So like in English, you could say they to include everyone. Yes. And um, yeah, and the translation basically didn't do that. And, and so I didn't change the translation initially, but I, I did email the client to see whether they wanted to speak to the end client in that case, because it was from an agency. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, in recruitment, people pay a lot of attention to that right now. And so uh, it would be good to at least ask the client whether they wanted this to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to make... Um, like a judgment on this or something, but just show that you know what is going on in your mm -hmm. area of specialty. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, that positions you as an expert, which is the next point in increasing perceived value. So mm -hmm. um, positioning yourself as an expert. And I know we uh, did our summit interview um, where you talked about niching and specialization. So everyone go check that out once it's live. Um, mm -hmm. And just so by specialization, um, we mean the client's field, not translation, because your client won't necessarily be interested in that. So if you do, for example, post content online in order to position yourself as an expert, uh, post something that is at the intersection of translation and your client's field. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are other ways to position yourself as an expert. You could um, appear on client-facing podcasts or you could like I said, write content. Um, and yeah, like I always said, it's it's not necessary to be present on 10 million different outlets. Um, just pick one social media channel or maybe two if you enjoy it. But yeah. Um, and then attend online co um, conferences or events organized by your client or maybe by associations in your client's industry. And then I think that's a great way to uh, present yourself as a peer so you'll be the natural choice for them once they do need a translation mm -hmm. and then of course uh, like you mentioned um, ask for testimonials or publish portfolios and case studies so that you actually have social proof I think that adds to to perceived value too mm -hmm. yep yep um, that is something I, I have noticed it's it's okay to say that you provide high quality translations and that you are a professional, uh, but that doesn't say anything. You have to provide proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. I do. I I just um I think that this sounds so big and it doesn't have to be like a lot of work or something. I, mm -hmm. I, that's why I like having an actual conversation with the client as, at the beginning, because mm -hmm. it takes care of this whole positioning myself as an expert thing, because mm -hmm. by the questions that you ask, you can show that you know what you're talking about. We should have another interview about the client interview. <laughs> yes, we could do that. I actually, I wrote down something else too, the the mindset thing. And then I was thinking of uh, setting boundaries as, um, as a professional. Mm -hmm. I just had a recent experience with that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I digress. 
<laughs> All right. So um, let's summarize this. Uh, in we should focus more uh, on value-based pricing by first of all knowing what our value is and be able to communicate it and then working on increasing um, the perceived value to our clients and things to do then is to provide proof by testimonials but also to be to to actually to prov provide actual value by being a con collaborating consultant uh mm -hmm. going the extra step and and so forth um yes. the other what, thing sorry and what else and what else <laughs> so the other thing you could do is uh look at your your branding in general and see what you could improve there so um how the client perceives you and feels when they interact with you so i think branding is so much more than like having a logo or having a website even though that's of course part of it and um yes you should have a professional website if you want to charge premium prices um but i think the the um the most important thing to remember is that um it's it's about how the client feels when they interact with you and so if you look at uh the way you interact online, for example, I'm I'm seeing a few posts that are fairly aggressive, mm. and I'm and it's not to say that you know you can't do that. Uh, that's all fine, but just be aware that that's part of your brand because mm -hmm. it's part of how your clients perceive you, and they will make choices on whether or not they want to work with you based on the interactions that they see. Um, I know I've done that myself as well. So um, yeah, and then of course the other things, uh, the professional website, professional email address, um, that's um, that's all so, part of branding. So when you have your discussions then, do you give them a, a price package or fixed price or do you give an hourly rate or? Ah, um, no, so I like charging uh, per project. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the other thing. So you um, should try to make your price non-comparable. Um, mm -hmm. And charging per project, I think, achieves that. Um, so that's what I do, at least for direct clients. Um, so because the per word rate can be compared, the hourly rate can be compared too, even though you know one person may work very fast and the other person won't. But I think the client will still look at this number that you give them for the mm -hmm. hourly rate and uh, if you charge per project it's it's less easy to compare and the client won't view the service as a commodity but as a as sort of package a service package so if you communicated it properly what it includes and the result that they can expect what you help them achieve what problem you fix um, any advice or expertise you can you can offer around the project, like like you mentioned, the comments on the cultural specificities, for example. Mm -hmm. So, uh, focus on communicating all the benefits of your of your service, um, mm -hmm. rather than saying, um, I don't know, I charge X for two thousand words. You would mm -hmm. say um, the price is X for all of these benefits and transformations that I offer you. And Very I think good. That makes a whole lot of difference. Yeah. Very good. Very true. I think that's a 
perfect way to end the value-based uh, pricing mm -hmm. conversation by actually explaining the value in our in our offer. Mm -hmm. Um, so thank you, Moira, for these insights. Uh, one thing, though, uh, that I always ask, what marketing strategy works really well for you right now? Has anything changed since September? <laughs> no, so I'm going to give you the, the same answer. Um, the, the marketing strategy that still works really well for me is direct messages on LinkedIn. Oh, okay. So I think that's the answer I gave in September, right? I may have said attending online events. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So are you active then? I'm, I'm teaching uh, online marketing. Are you active on LinkedIn or do you like posting things then? Or do no. you just do? Uh, so outreach? I just do personal outreach. Um, I, yeah, I prefer that. I, I honestly, I don't want to. I think I wouldn't be posting consistently enough and I don't want to put out an article here and there. Um, so I, um, yeah, I contact people directly. Like I have a list of companies that I would like to work with. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then I identify the people that work there that could be interesting points of contact for me, like the marketing managers and things. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and then I reach out to them with a connection message. Uh, and then if they accept, uh, then I send follow-up messages and, and usually we then schedule a conversation. That's how I do it. And what do you do in the follow-up messages then? Do you offer your services right away or do you? Yes. Um, so I had a few interesting conversations about this. So um, I actually say in the connection message that I'm a translator and copywriter and uh, either I compliment them on something that I've seen from them online or I ask whether I can support them. So they know that when they connect with me, um, yes, I want to build a relationship, but I want them to know that it's uh, on the basis of my offer straight away. And so that means that I might not get as many. Um, so I have about 50% of people who accept my connection messages, which um, could be higher. Mm -hmm. uh, but then um, I actually like for people to know why I want to connect with them. And I don't mm -hmm. want to make it seem like, oh, hello, you seem so friendly. Now I just want to connect yes. and reach out. So you know? what, would your, what would your first message be after you are connected then? After we are connected, I, I thank them for connecting. And then I usually, I, <laughs> I then don't go in with the next um sale if you like but then i i ask them about something that is going on in the industry or i um yeah and so that means you need to read up on what's happening in the industry so i focus on nutrition brands and so i can usually say something about that or i i use a lot of nutrition products too so i can maybe say something about that um and then i ask when would be a good time for us to speak i usually end my messages that way mm -hmm. Okay. And then, yeah. Or Very good. An interesting piece of, um, um, like an interesting piece that I think would be interesting for them to read too, then I will send that. But that's usually later um, down the road. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
I'm putting you on the spot here. One more question. How many messages <laughs> goes back and forth before you offer your services? Or you do that in your first message? Yeah. So okay. they already know that what I would like from them is to actually work with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, the reason that I can actually now do that confidently is because I don't feel like I'm going there. Oh, I'm this little translator. Could you please give me a project? Um, yeah. I'm going there as a consultant and I know that I can, <clears throat> I can help them, you know, add to their revenue. I can help them get on the German market. I can, yeah. I, I offer something of value to them. And I know uh, usually if I've done some research before that, that's something that they want. So if I've seen uh, a UK brand that says we want to expand uh, to the Dach region, the German speaking region, I know I can contact them about mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And yeah, that works well. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much, Moira. Thank you. So it was a pleasure having you. And thank you to all the listeners. To summarize, if we want to get paid what we're worth and leverage our time in the best way possible, we have to stop trading our time for money. Uh, it's up to us to pick a price that's going to make our business successful. But more than that, we have to establish the value of our services. So using a value-based pricing strategy will help our businesses become more profitable. We can attract higher quality customers and we can enjoy a more loyal following over time. So thank you again, Moira, and thank you to the listeners. And did you want to mention uh, anything about the next Financial Success Summit? Yes, thank you. Thank you for um, asking about that. So the next Financial Success Summit is um, will start on June 14th this year. Uh, registration is now open, so you can go to summit.financialsuccess4translators.com and you can register there. It's completely free and it's uh, a full six day online event where you can get more training like this on pricing, but also different marketing strategies. Tess will talk about specialization there. Um, and we've also got uh, this time a full day focused on increasing your skills. And so there we talk about SEO translation, uh, how to add copywriting services to your portfolio. Um, we've got subtitling, actually a whole bunch of things. So it's really exciting. Great, great. Um, we, I will for sure put the link in the show notes so people can go check it out. So thank you. Thank you again. And thank you to the listeners. If you have any questions to Moira or me about value-based pricing, you can add them in the comments and the show notes will be found at marketingtipsfortranslators.com and this is recorded um, out of order so I can't say what number this podcast will be <laughs> but when you go to marketingtipsfortranslators.com <clears throat> you will find this podcast by, by just going to the podcast page for sure. So um Thank you again, Moira, and thank you to all the listeners. Let us know if you have any questions or comments. We would love to hear what you think. And have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Marketing Tips for Translators. I hope you found some good tips to apply to your freelance career. 
If you did, a great way to show this is by leaving a review on your favorite podcast listening app or to share the episode with other colleagues. Do you have a topic, question, or a guest you would like to hear about here? Send me an email to podcast at marketingtipsfortranslators.com.